Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty and I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, and scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Sure was a fun week last week having the NFL draft. I don't know if you're a freak. If you are indeed a freak, that means that you watched almost every hour of it. I certainly did. Had a great weekend with my dad came to town for his birthday weekend and we watched a ton of the draft and watched some UT baseball games alongside that. It was super fun to see where all these guys landed and not super fun as you'll hear in a minute as far as my interpretation of how the draft went. Here's what we have on store today. Today I'm actually going to reveal my top 24 rookie rankings and the website itself has uh, my top 80 rookie rankings so you can go to the website anytime but just on this podcast we'll talk about the top 24. Uh, spent the week kind of listening to other experts and uh, formulating my own opinions and come up with my own uh, top 24 list that I'll be using in my rookie drafts that start next week. So fun when the draft is, the NFL draft is finally over and now it's uh, the month of May, which means rookie draft season, which is a blast. I know I've got two of my leagues that start drafting next Monday, so a week from, uh, week from tomorrow. And then I've got another draft that uh, starts a week later after that. And they'll just keep them coming. They're going to keep coming through the months of May and June. So I'll keep my uh, website up to date so that you guys can continue to look at it and see where I've made adjustments to the rookie rankings. Um, I'm your independent advice, you know, independent voice in the fantasy world. So you're able to come to my website and see an independent voice and where I rank these guys apart from others. I've not looked at any other uh, website's rookie rankings yet. So I'm going to do that next week, and I'll probably do a podcast that says here's the, the differences between my rankings and the other industry rankings. So that'll be pretty fun to do next week. But for right now, because your rookie drafts are starting, I thought it would be good to give you my top 24. First, a quick word on the draft, man. Overall, I was like super disappointed with where players landed. I had a lot of high hopes for a number of players, and I just felt like everyone that I had high hopes for landed in really bad drafting, really, really bad landing spots on bad teams, bad depth charts, or bad quarterbacks that I didn't trust for receiver's sake, uh, coaches that I'm not that, that fond of. Um, I, I put a lot of stock in actually certain um, teams whose player evaluation I trust, and I love when they draft my players. And a lot of that just didn't happen this year. So overall, I was super disappointed uh, with this year's draft. There are a few players that, that definitely rose in value based on where they landed and where they were drafted, draft capital. Um, then there were several players, I would say even more, that were very disappointing as to where they were landed. So they down, were downgraded quite a bit in my uh, rankings from pre-draft to now after the draft. So here's what I, my advice would be overall uh, for this year's class. I think if you don't have the number one, two, or three, you're going to hear my one, two, and three players here in just a minute. But if you don't have the number one, two, and three, um, I'm if I have picks four through 12 in a draft, I am seriously, like my first move is going to be like say, hey, who wants this pick for 2020 first rounder? 2020 is going to be a much better draft. And so that's going to be my first move in all of my leagues, just to, to toss it up and see if someone will give me a 2020, play the long game, and see what happens there. Um, I actually made a trade this week. Um, I I did in one league, I traded up and I ended up getting the number two pick overall with a trade that I made this offseason. And I traded away that pick uh, for T.Y. Hilton in a 2020 first for my 2020 second. So I feel like I got a steal of a deal there, picking up T.Y. Hilton, who's 
already a top 10. He's my number 10 ranked receiver overall already. Picked him up, um, but got a 2020 first, moved out as a 1.2 for this draft, and I'm excited to have two first-round draft picks next year in the 2020 draft for sure. So I think that um, overall I would be trying to get out of this and get into 2020. Um, That said, I still want to give you my uh, suggestions on what the top 24 picks would be here. Again, go to the website, go to my rookies page to get uh, numbers 1 through 80. I think 81, actually. But here I'm going to give you my top 24, give a little bit of commentary. Um, I'll mention one last thing. I also wrapped up my uh, re-ranking all of the players with the rookies in for each position. So now you can actually go to the website. You can look at each position. And I now have I've actually put the rookies into the positions so that when you're making trades on your uh, draft weeks or however you're doing slow draft or in-person draft, whatever, you can actually look at my, my overall rankings because now I've mixed the rookies into that. So you can see how I value rookies compared to other players that might be available via trade during your drafts. All right, so let's get started. Here's my top 24 um, on my rookie board for 2019. Uh, first is Josh Jacobs from Oakland, uh, pick number uh, 24 of the first round. Um, Jacob, you know, has actually been one of the guys that I've not ranked as high as most people, but it finally came down to it now where you just can't argue with it. You know, when you're making your rankings, you have to adjust for draft capital. And so he moved up from number nine to me to number one based on his landing spot. Definitely draft capital is the only first round draft pick uh, at a running back position. And the fact that this week Isaiah Crowell was lost for the year. So um, I also really believe that Mayock and Gruden have a lot to prove. So their uh, GM and their head coach will will really try to get the most out of Jacobs, and uh, they've got to show that they know what they're doing and try to make this right. So I believe he's just going to get a ton of touches. This has always been my concern with him, though, because he's never had a ton of touches. <laughs> At Alabama, he was really limited and was always playing behind other guys and not getting as much touches. So um, I do have health concerns for the long term. I know a lot of people will say, well, then he didn't. You know, that means he should be more productive. He's got less wear and tear on his tires. But I'm not so sure with that. Um, but still, I felt like he needed to be number one just based on the upside and the fact that he's going to have all the opportunity in the world there in Oakland, who I wanted to have one, but I had to move back to number two just given the uh, the draft capital for Joshua uh, Joshua Jacobs is uh, Miles Sanders. So Miles Sanders is number two for me. Pick number 21 in the second round for Philadelphia. Um, he was my number one run, ranked running back before the draft, so he did just move back just a little bit based on his landing spot. Um, but I actually believe his landing spot was great. Um, the Eagles are one of the teams that I really trust when it comes to player evaluation. They seem to always get things right and make good moves. So I trust their GM. So when they pick him up, they, I feel like they do it for a reason. Um, I think they have long-term plans for Sanders. It's definitely a crowded backfield, and they tend to do the running back by committee. That's the fear that I have. But all the talk coming out of Philadelphia so far um, and the fact that I just believe Sanders is way better than anyone else they have make me believe that probably by mid-year, at least by the end of the year, he's going to be their lead back, three down back, and he'll be a part of everything that they do. I don't think that um, that they do their coaching for for um, doing running back by committee because they prefer that. I think they do it because they have to, because they don't have an all-around back there in Philadelphia, and they haven't. Um, so I believe that this is going to be his chance. Uh, it's going to take a while, so it's a little bit of a longer-term play. He might not be the number one back this year as far from the rookie class, but I do believe in the long term, Miles Sanders is going to be awesome there in Philadelphia. So he'd be my number two. Third, we've got David Montgomery for Chicago. Uh, he was drafted in the third round, number 10. 
Um, I was not nearly as high on him as most analysts, like in, in his land, but his landing spot was really pretty perfect. Uh, Nagy's a great offensive mind. He clearly has a vision for what kind of back he wants to use, and um, they they definitely were, you know, trying this this off season to get rid of Jordan Howard. And they picked up a free agent in Mike Davis. I believe they were doing all that just to try to get something, someone that Nagy believed in, because they didn't know what would happen in the draft. But now that they picked up William, uh, Montgomery in the draft, I believe that that's the guy that they really want. And I feel sorry for Davis owners, but Davis is probably going to get uh, moved back, and I think Montgomery is going to be the number one uh, by midseason, if not the start of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's definitely the number one back there. He, uh, he shows that he can be a three-down pack back. They're going to continue to use Cohen for sure, but I don't think that Cohen is the the um, type of back that's going to steal too much away. These, these guys could do be on the field at the same time together, and Montgomery can be the back that they've wanted that you can have in, in the lineup, first down, second down, third down, and not give away what you're trying to do, like was the case with Jordan Howard. So Montgomery has moved up to number three. I know for a fact that the guy that drafted it, uh, that I traded my number two pick this year, he wanted uh, Jacobs or Montgomery. So I think these three are going to be pretty much off the board as the first three picks in various orders for sure. Then there's kind of a bit of a drop-off, and then we go to number four. Number four for me is A.J. Brown, wide receiver Tennessee. I uh, was drafted in second round, number 19. I've had him ranked as my number one player um, the, the almost the entire offseason, and I just couldn't move him down too much. I super hate the landing spot. Like, I really hate it. I'm very much down. I have no faith in Marcus Mariota, um, given that he could not make Corey Davis great already. So he's already proven that he doesn't know how to make a, make a player great. It seems like they're going to be committed to trying to give Henry the ball and be more of a run-first offense. So all of that got me super upset with this landing spot. But here's one where I'm just buying in for the long term. Like, I really believe that A.J. Brown is the best receiver in this draft class and that he will be a star no matter what. <laughs> I think that somehow either Mariota's going to lose his job, maybe even Tannehill will come in and be better. Tannehill's already proven that he could make uh, a guy a top-12 receiver in Landry uh, when he was at with uh, Jarvis Landry when he was at Miami. So I don't know if it's going to be Tannehill or if things are going to change quickly and they're going to move on to getting another quarterback. So this is a long-term play, but I still believe in his talent, so I'm keeping A.J. Brown number four. Number five is Nikhil Harry for New England. He was the first-round receiver uh, that was drafted, number one, uh, 32nd pick in the first round. Um, I know that I'm a lot lower on him. Most people are going to have him as number one or number two, I believe, so far in this draft. Um, But uh, I, I like his landing spot in one way. I also don't like it in another way. Um, he does some things that Brady and the Patriots really like to do, like he's really great on short routes, running after the catch, and I, I think that they'll find a great way to use him kind of underneath and run after catch kind of short passes like they do, um, even to Edelman. Uh, he's really great at that. But he's also got such uh, a great amount of skill you know, down the field and deep balls and his contested catch skills and deep ball skills, and I just don't think that's what New England does. I don't think that's what Brady's able to do. Maybe it's a long-term play, and they drafted Stidham, and so they think that he can, you know, do more in the years to come. But um, overall, I like him, but I'm not as high on him as most, so I have him number five. Number six, I have uh, Debo Samuel, wide receiver for San Francisco. Uh, They seem like they were super eager to grab him in the second round to pick number four. I've been higher on Debo the entire offseason, like higher than almost anyone. I think really than anyone that I've looked at um, as an analyst, uh, I've had him higher than everyone. So I was super thrilled to see this to see that it was nice to see that uh, John Lynch and Shanahan actually think the same as me, like they went up, were excited to get him. Um, I feel like he's a safe bet to be a starter right off the bat. Like I think he'll be a starter right away. 
I don't think that this is going to be a play where immediately he becomes a star. I mean, he's going to compete with targets for uh, with Pettis, who I'm also really high on, and certainly for Kittle, who's going to be the main target there in San Francisco, let alone the <laughs> whole uh, cluster of running backs that they have there for San Francisco. But I think that in time, he's going to earn a more significant target count. I think he's just too good. Um, and the type of offense that Shanahan runs, they're going to target him often. It'll take him some time to get there, but uh, I believe that you should pick him up at number six. Like He's definitely going to be a long-term play. Number seven is a tight end, uh, TJ Hawkinson and from Detroit. Went uh, pick number eight in the first round. I normally hate drafting tight ends this early, but I would do it because I feel like this is a really weak uh, draft class. So I'm willing to do it this year. I think there's a lot of questions that remain about the kind of offense that Detroit will be running with their new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. But all signs point to them being very run-focused, which may in fact be part of why they drafted Hawkinson, because he's the best all-around tight end in this draft. So I don't know if he's going to become like a, a target hog or anything like that. He's going to be a blocker to start with. That said, I feel like um, he's ultimately one of the best tight end prospects that's come out in a while. And so he'll probably have minimal impact in the early season um, and maybe even early in his career, but it's a great long-term pick. I know we don't like to pick guys this early as a long-term plan, but I feel like so many of the guys in this draft are that, exactly that, that we're just going to have to wait on them. So i got TJ Hawkinson, number seven. Number eight, I had Damian Harris. Uh, he's been my number one or two running back uh, throughout the offseason. Off he was a surprise pick in the third round uh, by New England at pick number 24 in the third round. His landing spot is what made him fall a bit, um, though not as far as others have him. I think that others are probably going to be pretty concerned about his competition, one, with um, Sony Michelle, but two, with just the fact that the New England Patriots seem to rotate running backs around all the time. I know I've always hated having a New England running back, but the fact is when you pick up a James White or you pick up um, in years past a LeGarrette Blunt, like, they can produce for you. And Sony Michelle did that at the end of this last year for sure. Um, I feel like they're actually trying to switch to be more of a run-first type of offense, and I really love Harris way more than other people have, so I'm kind of betting on the talent right here that he'll compete and share touches even this year um, with Michelle, if not win it. Like, if I was to put them both side-by-side, side, um, I think I would actually prefer Harris to Michelle, and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they get um, how they get uh, touches this next year. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get a lot of Harris because I bet I have him ranked a lot higher than everyone else, and so he's going to fall to me in drafts, and I'll be happy uh, to pick him up, see what they do there in New England. Number nine, I have Darrell Henderson, uh, running back from the Rams, that went in the third round at pick number six. Uh, man, I always pay attention to teams when they trade up to get their player. The Rams traded up 20 spots to get their man, so I believe that they believe in him. Uh, they certainly showed it by their actions. He's been on the top ten of my um, – Top 10 pick for me all offseason. So he's already already been in the top 10, so he didn't move very much from where he was. Um, there's kind of a pro and a con about his landing spot. Obviously, he's behind Gurley. So we say, well, he's not going to beat out Gurley. There's, no one's like Gurley, right? There's very few people in the NFL like him. But here we have all this concern with, with Gurley's knees. You wonder if they did this for a reason, and they're signing of um, Malcolm Brown uh, this last year too, signing his uh, tender or matching it and, and keep bringing him back to the team shows that maybe there's some concern, you know, that they have for Gurley. I'm not positive. I think that Gurley is going to start to uh, decrease in his touches. Henderson, I don't believe, is going to be just a change of pace back like they'd send it. I felt like they were trying to, like, protect Gurley's ego by saying that they were just bringing Henderson in to be more of a change of pace back or like a Lance Dunbar like they used to have. 
I don't think that's the case. I think they really brought him in to kind of split touches and take the load off Gurley. Uh, he's super explosive, was crazy in his uh, yards per carry in college, um, and he's with a great offensive mind. So this is going to be a good one. I think that uh, I would put him up here at number nine and draft him pretty confidently. Number 10, I actually have Paris Cam- uh, Campbell. Paris has been one of the fastest risers on my board since the pre-combine, which I had him number 38 before the combine. After he did so well in the combine, I moved him up to 19, and now I have him at number 10. So he has really moved up uh, quite a bit from from where I had him you know, before the combine. I ranked him low because I didn't like the kind of routes that he ran at, at Ohio State. He was more of a gadget guy, it felt like to me. Uh, you can go back to listen to other podcasts or see some of my writings where I, where I do that. I, I talk about that. But I think that at the combine, he showed that he had some more versatile skills than maybe Ohio State used him. I've listened to some guys that really follow Ohio State football, and they really commented that in Urban Meyer's system that they had like a – they just have really specific roles for all their receivers, and that was just his role. And so there's not much diversity. So it may not be that he just isn't the athlete that can do those things. It may just be that he was locked up in a scheme that only asked him to do a few things let alone the fact that the Colts are actually one of my other guys. I love Ballard, their GM. Uh, whenever they do something, I take notice because, like I said earlier, with Philadelphia, they're one of the teams that I feel like always gets things right. And so I don't know if you saw the video, but when, when he was drafted, their draft room went crazy, and they felt like he fell to him. So I think that they have plans for him um, and the fact that Andrew Luck just makes everybody better. So when you get to go to a place, you know, a team with great drafting pedigree, Go to a quarterback that uh, always makes people more productive than they would be otherwise. Um, There's a pretty big rise for me to bring uh, Paris Campbell up to number 10. Nearing the end of our first round here, number 11, uh, we have DK Metcalf, uh, wide receiver, went to Seattle in the second round, pick number 32. Uh, Metcalf moved up a bit for me. I had him, I was kind of low on him. Uh, you know, there's been pretty big variety on how people have thought of him um, during this offseason. I had moved him back all the way to number 15, so out of the first round for me. But I actually really loved it. I loved the spot, the landing spot for him. So I moved him up to number 11. Russell Wilson is just the type of quarterback that can maximize his limited skills, right? I see Metcalf in a role much like Jimmy Graham had in his couple years when he was at Seattle. He was just a red dozen target. Like he would line up one-to-one and you knew that Graham was going to get the ball and was going to score because there's nothing you could do to stop it. Um, let alone the fact that Metcalf probably uh, excels on broken plays, you know, where he can get open deep. And uh, no one keeps the play alive better than Russell Wilson. I uh, like the excitement that the team showed in drafting him. I think that they have a lot of reason to prove that they made him the right draft pick. I think DK Metcalf has uh, definitely risen. I, I, I was down on him, down on him, down on him throughout this process, but now he's actually had a rise to number 11 for me. Number 12 that I would recommend is Kyler Murray for quarterback for Arizona, of course, the 1.1 pick. Uh, man, I told you in some previous podcasts and, and some of my articles that I've learned my lesson the last few years on not drafting quarterbacks early. In a one-quarterback league, at least, um, this guy uh, can run. Uh, he can be in uh, Kingsbury's new offense with all the newly, newly formed weapons that they drafted. Good grief. They drafted all these receivers to make an impact right away. Um, as the first overall pick, I believe, obviously, he's going to get every opportunity. There's no doubt that he's going to start right away. He's definitely not the most uh, prototypical quarterback, but maybe there's no such thing in this year's uh, NFL. I think that uh, you've got to take a chance on him here, and I'm not going to wait till the second round to get him. I'm going to try to grab him in the first and see what that would do uh, for my team and see what happens with him. Now we're into the second round, pick number 13. I'd pick uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, wide receiver for Philadelphia. Really surprised that he went as early as he did. Second round, uh, pick 2.25. 
Um, he stayed right about where I had him before the draft in my rankings, but I love and hate the landing spot. So I already, so I already told you that the Eagles are one of the teams that I love their player evaluation. So I love that they thought highly of him and drafted him. Where I have a little bit of concern is I feel like he's just like an exactly exact same version of Alshon Jeffrey. So therefore, I expect that he'll take some time to become the full-time starter. Um, I think it'll take some time. I look at it a lot like last year. If you remember last year when Dallas Goddard was drafted behind Zach Ertz, and so it was like, oh, man, why did, why did Goddard have to go to a team that already has a great tight end? It's kind of the same thing here. But you saw how Philadelphia really, particularly at the end of the season, started uh, working Dallas Goddard in and figuring out ways to use both he and Ertz together. I think the same thing will happen by the end of the season with Whiteside and also think that, that pretty soon he's just going to become flat out the replacement for Alshon Jeffrey. And I like it long term. I don't think it'll make a huge impact this year, but it would definitely be worth drafting here and just holding. Number 14, I have Noah Fent, uh, tight end for Denver. who's was picked number 20 in the first round. Just a great landing spot for him. I mean, he's going to be a starter like right away. It's been so long since Denver's had a good tight end. We keep grabbing him in our, in our drafts, our fantasy drafts, or off the waiver wire, hoping for something, and it never really happens. No one really emerges there. But this is going to be great. We all know Flacco has made uh, tight ends, average tight ends look great in his years at Baltimore. So he's really going to make Fant look great, I believe, right away. He's not the best blocker, so I think his snap count will be limited a little bit, but he's certainly like a pretty freaky weapon in the pass offense. Um, I think that if you were going to compare he with Hawkinson, who I had, I think, what did I say, ranked number seven, so I've got him uh, seven spots different. Um, I think the Fant will actually be much better this year and probably in the early years of his career, though I still believe Hawkinson is the best long-term um, because of what he'll make himself into there in Detroit. Number 15, I have Hakeem Butler for wide receiver for Arizona. I had to move him down quite a bit. You know, I had him number seven. I moved him down to 15, um, mainly just that the because of the draft and the, given the number of receivers drafted by Arizona, that was one of the biggest bummers, I think, of the draft was to see Arizona take Butler and Stills and Keyshawn Johnson, who I was actually really high on for kind of a sleeper wide receiver, to see them draft all of those guys. It's like, well, crud, where, you know, where – where are they going to go with all these targets? And they've got Christian Kirk there still, too. So it's going to be a mess to figure out who actually wins. And rumors are, or speculation, there might be a lot of four-receiver sets, and so maybe they're all in the field at the same time. Um, but I just feel like you have to move them down a little bit just because of the uncertainty of what will happen. Um, I still believe that he's going to be that my highest – he is my highest-ranked receiver for Arizona, all the ones that they drafted. Um, but I, And I really believe that he'll – mold himself into the number two that he and Christian Kirk will get most most of the targets there in Arizona, even above Isabella, which I'll talk about in a minute. So I, I didn't move him down too far, but he definitely took a bump. Keem Butler, number 15 for me. And then we got uh, number 16, Marquise Brown. He was the first drafted receiver, first round number 25. Um, but even the draft capital uh, was not enough to move him up my board. Uh, he was number 16 before the draft, and now he's still right here at number 16. I still have a lot of concerns about his size, uh, a lot of concerns about his Liz Frank injury, Liz Franck injury that he had, and just the erratic play of his quarterback in Lamar Jackson. They're all just a concern for me, so I'm pretty sure that he's going to be drafted a lot higher than I'll ever draft him, and he's probably not going to be on any of, my, any of my teams because of it. I have him number 16. Number 17, I have Justice Hill, running back for Baltimore. Uh, same for Hill. He was my number 17 uh, before, so now he stays at number 17. He didn't move uh, after the draft. Um, even though I really like the landing spot, I believe that he'll be kind of the change of pace back right away in the Baltimore offense. Uh, he's super explosive, 
which will work really well with this run option, run-oriented type of offense that they're going to have there in Baltimore. Uh, he'll have lots of lanes to burst through. I think that his competition with Ingram, I don't think he's going to be like an every-down back. But the way, if you saw the way that Baltimore used their backs last year, it really didn't matter. Uh, there were there were two or three healthy backs that could all produce fantasy points for us. And so I think that uh, the bus Gus days are over, and it's really going to be an Ingram and Hill show. I think those are going to be the two primary backs that get touches there in Baltimore. And so I'm hoping that I can get a lot of Justice Hill this year in the second round. Definitely want to get a lot of him. Number 18, this might be somewhat controversial. I have Nicole Hardman, uh, wide receiver for Kansas City. A stunning pick by the Chiefs to move up from two point, uh, to pick him in the 2.24, second round pick number 24. I had to move him up. I did move him way up. I had him at foot number 45. So that's pretty crazy. 45 to 18. But man, this is the highest that I could go. I know others are going to draft him before I can. I see that a lot of people are probably going to say that he's a first round draft pick this year. Um, I just can't buy it. I think he's way too young, um, too raw for me to believe. Uh, drafted as an athlete, played quarterback in high school, and I just don't think that you can come in. Now, if there's anyone to trust, it's Kansas City. They're one of those teams, too, that I also really, really trust their draft picks and trust their player evaluation. They know what they want to do, and they obviously showed it by, by drafting him so early in the second round. I just felt like it was maybe a little bit of a desperate move given the Ty- Tyreek Hill situation, given that Tyreek might not play this year with his suspension with a, a child abuse uh, situation. I felt like it was a reach for them, and I'm not going to be fooled into reaching for it in the draft, but I did move him up quite a bit to number 18 because you might just have to take a chance trusting Kansas City knows what they're doing. Number 19, I have Andy Isabella, wide receiver for Arizona. Uh, pick number 30 in the second round. Like I said before with Butler, I really believe that Butler and Kirk are going to get more targets than Is- Isabella. Um, I believe he'll have a role in the offense for sure, but I don't think that he's ever going to become like the touchdown guy for their team or even the most targeted guy for their team. So I moved him up uh, just given the draft capital. So he was number 25. He's moved up to number 19. But I don't think I'll be drafting him uh, before others. I think others will be drafting him before me. Um, There's a lot of question about his ability really to get off the line. And if he's in the slot, um, you know, he's got all the speed in the world. But I really doubt that he's going to be as effective playing against NFL defensive backs. Um, That said, he's still number 19. Number 20 was a pretty big move for me. Pittsburgh's uh, success in drafting wide receivers, right? So I got Deontay Johnson, wide receiver for Pittsburgh, uh, second pick in the third round. Pittsburgh just has huge success in drafting wide receivers, let alone guys overall from the MAC conference. Um, uh, they just do this really well. He moved up more than any player on my draft board. I had him number 67 before the NFL draft, and so now he's moved up 47 spots to number 20. Um, he is super quick, a smaller frame, but that's what the same could be said for Antonio Brown, right? Uh, he's got a great quarterback. I like that part of it, too, that he did land in a spot where there's a quarterback that can be trusted. Um, Roethlisberger made Juju Smith a star right away in his rookie year. He can do the same here. That's just how Roethlisberger rolls. Um, I think that he'll start right away. Juju's so great in the slot, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do because Johnson's definitely more of a slot guy. If they split Juju out wide or if they just do a lot of multiple sets, uh, kind of could see Juju and James Washington being the outside guys and, this, and Johnson being the inside guy. At the same time, uh, Juju's just too good in the slot, so I don't know what they're going to do with this guy. Um, but I've got him number 20. I'd definitely be willing to take a stab on him, uh, maybe earlier than most people would. Number 21, I have Alexander Madison running back for Minnesota. Uh, he was picked in the third round, pick number 39. This was pretty simple for me. 
uh, draft capital, the sense that they picked him this early. And Dalvin Cook's injury concerns uh, make me move Madison up from number 26 before the draft and I'm at number 21 in the draft. I'd been holding on to Boone all offseason. Like once uh, once Latavius Murray was let go, I started picking up uh, Minnesota running backs just for the, ca- the case of Cook being hurt like he has been. I think he's only played like half of his, his games in his first two years. And so now for the same, very same reason, I'll be drafting Madison earlier than most people, I believe. I've got to pick number 21. Um, I think that Alvin Cook will be hurt, let alone that Madison was actually really good. Um, I already had him at number 26 before the draft, and so I, I believed in him a little bit more uh, than others did as well, coming out of Boise State. Uh, great, very hard runner, uh, runs kind of a pretty violent style. I think could definitely even be their doubt there, if, even if Cook is healthy, could be their goal line back uh, there in Minnesota. Next to number 22, we've got Irv Smith Jr., tight end for Minnesota. He was drafted the 18th pick of the second round. Um, I believe this will be a really long-term play. Um, I think that Smith should get some playing time this year, but I think you know he's going to be behind Rudolph for at least a year before he earns that full-time job. Uh, although they did pick him pretty early, and there's rumors that they may be trying to uh, trade away Rudolph. So if that's the case, uh, he might move up even a little bit more if they make that trade. He needs some time to adjust uh, to being, you know, as as do most tight ends. So I think here uh, tight ends are kind of a risk when we draft them early, but I think picking him number 22 seems like one of the safer prospects, like a very safe uh, prospect there that he's going to develop to become in the coming years the number one tight end there in Minnesota, which I think is good. Number 23 is Kelvin Harmon, wide receiver that landed Washington in the sixth round, pick number 34. This was the biggest mystery of the entire draft for me. I can't believe that it, he got drafted in the sixth round. If you've been following me, I've had Harmon as my number two or number one wide receiver throughout the offseason. Off I love that after he was uh, drafted so late, he sent out kind of a pretty nasty tweet. Not dirty nasty, but nasty like saying, I'm going to prove everyone wrong for not taking me earlier. And so I, I love that. I love that fight that he has. And the fact is, too, at Washington, you've got, uh, other than Josh Dodson, you've got a bunch of guys that have only been there for a year, or two, or three years. And so it's really a wide open. They drafted Terry McLaurin, which you see I don't have him ranked ahead of Calvin Harmon, even though they drafted him way earlier. I believe that Calvin Harmon will earn this job. He will go in there and fight and make himself a starting wide receiver for Washington. Uh, he's too good. I can't take my previous evaluation to make it fall out of the second round. Um, I think I'm going to be getting him everywhere. So I was mad during the draft, but now that we're talking rookie drafts for our fantasy leagues, I'm happy that he fell so far because I'm probably going to get him in almost every league because no one's going to be willing to take him in the second round. But I sure as heck will. Finally, number 24, last pick of the second round, I would put on my draft board Dwayne Haskins, quarterback for Washington. Uh, pick number 15 in the first round. I think the Haskins will get every chance to play and become the starter right away, uh, if not very early on. Uh, he walks into somewhat of a rough, rough spot, like I just mentioned with uh, Kelvin Harmon, like a lot of young receivers. So uh, I think it's going to take some time just to get that offense to jail. But that can also be a good thing, actually, for a quarterback because he can like ease his way into the system and he can start to develop a rapport with some of these new guys. And they can really have a strong future. Of course, he already knows Terry McLaurin. They, they played together at Ohio State, so he's already got some connection with him. But if he develops a connection with Trey Quinn and Kelvin Harmon, maybe Josh Doxson can actually become something again. I think then that would be the case where you say, wow, this guy could really develop with him. So I'm not willing, like I said before, to, to miss out on all the young quarterbacks. So I'd be willing to dwa- draft uh, Dwayne Haskins here at the end of the second round. So that's it. 
those are my uh, top 24 picks, first and second round board. You can go to my website so that you can find the board for all of your picks and tell me which uh, I'd love to hear where you agree, where you disagree. You can uh, send me an email anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com or you can leave a message on the article that I wrote. You can leave messages on the um, at the bottom of the blog post that I wrote. Love to get your insight. And even if you're in the middle of your rookie drafts, like hit me up, send me an email or give me a, a message so that I can help you as you start your rookie drafts. Can't wait. They're right around the corner. Might start next week. So we've got one more week. Uh, to wait before we start drafting these rookies and developing our dynasty team. Well, that's a wrap for us this week, my freaky friends. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks.com. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.